1: Okay, and welcome, Seekers, to podcast number 61 of God Beyond the Bible, a podcast made by Seekers and for Seekers. Hopefully by the time this podcast airs, our lives will start returning to some degree of normal, (laughs) considering the unprecedented disruption that we as Americans and the whole world actually as a whole have been experiencing for the past several weeks. And I know you guys, we've missed a few podcasts, but that's because we're just wanting to be Safe right now, so we've been social distancing even between us, <laughs>
0: right? No, not cramp right. up in the little studio exactly.
2: So, Tracy, do we have shout outs this week? We do. Um, we have Natalie and Brooke, Benjamin, Joe, Carlos, Paul, Mikel, Gary, Casey, and Padre. All
0: right, thanks, hey, guys. Thanks, everybody. And our quote of the week uh, is one by Timber Hawkeye. Don't know who that is, but I like this quote you can't calm the storm so stop trying what you can do is calm yourself the storm will pass
2: i like
1: that something good to remember especially right now right you bet okay so last episode number 60 we took a serious look at salvation and we've discovered we have discovered that exactly who is considered saved and exactly what it means to be saved and exactly how the status of salvation is accomplished is still open for a lot of debate and the answer pretty much depends on what person or group of people that you ask
2: and in this episode number 61 we're entertaining the following thought what I believe and how I believe dictates how I live every aspect of my life or perhaps more simply stated each of us has a unique lens through which we view our world and live our lives, and that's
0: kind of what we're thinking about: is our life lens, our God lens, our yes. faith lens. That's kind of what there. So you know how, and we're just when we're saying the lens, it's like looking through a pair of glasses, particular particular yeah. pair of glasses from particular point of view or perspective. Well, in this first segment, let's lay a little groundwork. We will begin by making the declaration that what we believe matters. Because we live life accordingly. Now that belief system becomes the lens through which we perceive life and the world around us.
1: Yeah. And should any of you be able to remember or care to recall, there was a 1980s hit song by John Conley and it was titled Rose-Colored Glasses. Do either one
0: of you guys remember? Uh, okay, actually, okay. I do okay. remember <laughs> that.
1: One of the main lines of the song goes as follows. These rose-colored glasses that I'm looking through show only the beauty, they
2: hide all the truth. And the song depicts a person whose perception of the person they're in a relationship with is skewed by their emotion. Mm -hmm. Or in other words, if you perceive John Conley as the person wearing the rose colored glasses, he's in a relationship with someone who's less than a perfect match for him. But he doesn't see the faults or flaws or errors or the wrongdoings of that person that he's in a relationship with. And just I'll throw this in there for free for you guys. Uh I kind of started chasing a rabbit trail on that (laughs) phrase and Mm -hmm. I found out that it actually originated in a novel in the early 1800s. Rose-colored glasses. uh Uh Well,
0: yeah. Okay, as novel as putting this thought into a song was, it really speaks to how we all live life. We all have a slightly different pair of glasses or as we prefer to put it, a unique lens through which we view and interpret uh, and live life and what we believe to be truth is that lens? Now I know we've got a couple examples here, and one of them is if we've developed the belief that most people in society are dishonest and bad, then our interaction with other people reflects that belief. I've got, I've got a friend of mine. Well, I've noticed that a lot of people that are in law enforcement they yes. deal with
2: so much that, negativity. That, that, that
0: element. I don't want to just you know, but there again, they're dealing with a lot, some bad people, yeah, some mm-hmm. bad players and bad actors, and it's easy. I have to remind one friend of mine. I have to remind him a lot. Say, now look, you know, you got to remember where you came from. You dealt with the worst of the worst right. uh, sure. of people, and that's not the people you dealt with are not indicative of everyone out there,
1: right? Should we be a person who perceives him or herself as being more intelligent than everyone else, our approach to others will often be one of a superiority. And on the other side of the coin, we may view life through the lens that we are deficient in intellect, in which we view and live life with a feeling of inferiority.
2: And these are but a couple of examples, right. yet, this same scenario is true of every area in life. Our spiritual life is no exception. In fact, Considering our spirituality can be summed up as what we believe, this principle may be even more applicable, considering once again that what we believe is the lens that governs how we see and live our life.
0: Uh, Is it fair to say that much of that lens was developed for us by the way we were raised? Factors like what the beliefs of those who influenced us in our formative years were, also, the social political atmosphere of the world we grew up in—you know—that's why we have these generation things. That's why we have mm-hmm. uh, the baby boomers mm-hmm. and the Generation X, and then what's after the that? The
2: Millennials. The millennials, and, and then the Zoomers.
0: Is that what we are now? It's the Zoomers. Yes. Okay, I'm not going to go into that. What that one is, but but that's yeah. It's in what they're doing is that you're you're uh, typed into that group of people by. The television, media, influ- mm-hmm. all the influences, all the events, world events of that time. Also, uh, And uh, perhaps we're looking at life through the lens of some less than healthy parental influence. Uh, many grew up being told they were stupid, fat, ugly, lazy, or many other incredibly damaging influences to their life lens. Yeah.
2: And I actually, I have to say, I read a really interesting article yesterday on this and. In- it was talking about that most people are raised one of two ways. They are raised in love or they are raised in survival.
0: And yeah, it said I, I, I could buy that. Yeah. I think that's fair.
2: You know, it continued on to say that most of those who are raised in love will continue the pattern of raising future generations in love, mm-hmm. but that those who are raised in survival are almost split 50-50 on which way they'll go.
0: Sure. Uh, Tabby, I think you're sick.
2: Okay. Well, on the other side, you were talking
1: about people who are, um, you know, raised being told that they're stupid right, and not yeah. worth anything. Well, on the other side, you have the people that are brought up under the persuasion that they're privileged, you know, that they're in, they're at an advantage when it comes to intellect or looks or whatever. And to be quite honest, viewing life through this lens can be just as damaging and disappointing. More than a few whose life lens has been developed by this type of influence End up living tragic lives, especially when life doesn't produce for them the privileged status that they've been convinced that they deserve.
0: You know, I, I've, I've studied it a few times and looked at it. Uh, you guys don't remember it, but one of the big uh, deals uh, in uh, I think it might have been in the eighties. I can't remember, but the Menendez brothers. Mm-hmm. They were two young men that killed their parents. I mean, yes. just to, and and yeah. and they really believed. I mean, that they were smarter. Mm -hmm. they thought they were smarter and thought and and they had this privileged life and and it was all because they wanted access to their dad's money yeah and i'm thinking so you see that things can really go awry. our life lens can really get messed up uh and it's all seems to be connected to the way we were raised
2: Mm -hmm. well with those thoughts let's go ahead and pause and we'll regroup and return with segment two
0: Hey, we've really missed you guys. I just want to throw that in. Uh, Being on uh, the, doing this, it feels a little weird. We've moved our studio once again to put it in an area (laughs) where we weren't quite so close together when we're recording. But uh, hope everyone's being safe out there. Hope you're not going to stare crazy uh, being, not being able to get out. (laughs) Okay. Well, welcome to part two of episode 61 of God Beyond the Bible, the podcast made by Seekers and for Seekers. And hopefully with segment one, We're all on the same page when it comes to our topic today. As you know, we're discussing the idea of how we all live life according to what we believe to be truth. And that is what we have dubbed here as our life lens. It's basically the glasses... Uh, that we each are fitted with that determines how we perceive life, and and I want to go ahead and say something. I, I watched a deal on this since I wrote this. I wrote this over a month ago, yeah. and uh, I watched a deal on this, and it was a guy that he was really, his his big drive was the environment. You know, the oil mm-hmm. companies were killing the environment, and I watched as he he broke into a big. Uh, where a big oil delivery line was and he broke in and shut off the valve on the line. Of course, he got arrested and got all kinds of charges, you know, but i thought about it and I thought, you know, he's really passionate. He's truly believes that's his life lens. Mm -hmm. He believes, and I'm not saying he wrongly believes, he believes that we're just destroying our planet and there's going to be no future for future generations. And he blames things like oil exploration. I'm not saying I adopted that thought. I'm just saying that's his life lens lens that he lives lives life through.
1: Okay, so what we're going to do is devote the second segment to Mm -hmm. spiritual things and how this life principle applies to it. Each of us have a perception of who God is, and that perception is different for each of us to varying degrees,
2: depending on the lens that we see God through. You guys think that's a fair and accurate statement? Well, it
0: is. I think
2: it is, and I think it's you know also fair to say that that lens itself, your prescription changes as time goes (laughs) on. Hopefully, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully.
0: Now, sometimes it doesn't. Some people are afraid of of. Allowing themselves to change, allowing their yeah. their, mm-hmm. their perception of, of the world to change. Yeah, uh, I don't know who's three. I got lost. Well, tracing. It
2: was me. I was talking out of turn. Even if we possess the understanding and ability, You're talking
0: about us here in the studio. Right. Yes,
2: which we don't. <laughs> Due to time restraints, we can explore all of the varying lenses of perception pertaining to God. I don't think we can even even do it for the three of us. No, really. No. <laughs> So we're going to attempt to contrast the two extreme perceptions of God, and most of us will fall somewhere within the perimeter of this large circle.
0: Okay, and on one end of the spectrum of the lens that people see God through is the angry, vengeful God of destruction and terror. Now, folks who view God through this lens tend to be very legalistic in their approach. If this is our God lens, we may tend to gravitate towards the image that the Old Testament writers used to portray the character of God. Through this lens, God is perceived as being unappeasable and unapproachable, much as the image we get from Mount Sinai and Moses' uh, recorded encounter in the book of Exodus. In that account, the people were gathering around the mountain to witness the, this terrifying quaking, smoke, thunderings, and lightning culminating in Moses' descent with some strict guidelines within, uh, written in stone for the people to follow uh, without deviation under the threat of what? Vengeance and violent death. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who have developed this this lens may tend to be anxious, fearful, and cautiously restricted in their spiritual pursuit, and may not be overly tolerant of those who don't share their lens of spiritual perception.
1: Right. And on the other end of the spectrum, we will find folks who view God through the lens of pure love, mercy, and grace. If we share this God lens, we will likely gravitate toward Paul's new covenant writings, such as his letter to the Roman believers, where God is portrayed in such terms as there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. People who have developed this lens of perception may tend to be more open-minded, relaxed, and happy in their spiritual pursuits, allowing for others to pursue and develop their own personal spiritual walk and journey.
2: And it's funny because a girl actually told me one time, we were in church together, and she said, you know, I have figured out that people see God in one of two ways. said, you either have a big loving sky daddy that's always looking out for you, or you have an angry, vengeful psychopath who's looking to hurt you.
0: Well, and we hesitate to say things like that. And I have said Me to too. people, I said, uh, you know, we've have, uh, we have we uh, have uh, uh, created this image of God that we just don't know how he's going to be. Mm-hmm. It just one day he may be good today and tomorrow he may just fly off the handle and, and be. Tracy, I think you're sick. Yes,
2: I am. In all fairness, the majority of believers have developed a God lens that is somewhere between these two perceived extremes and it's likely that many struggle with trying to reach a balance between these opposing images of God as he is viewed through these very different lenses. It's our opinion that this is the very source of all the division and controversy that we're witnessing and experiencing in the modern organized church. We encourage you to go back and listen to episode number 17, which is titled The New Covenant of Grace, to gain some perspective on the opposing perceptions of God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament.
0: And maybe for somebody that's seeking and you're looking to see where you can kind of start getting your things squared Mm -hmm. up and kind of see this, that's a good place. It is. When you start understanding the covenant of grace, that that we're under a new covenant, it's not a mingling, it's not a, you know, when you, this was a game changer for me. You
2: don't have to balance.
0: This was a big game changer in my life that just came some 10 or 12 years ago Mm -hmm. in my life because I was just, I was one day I was the legalist and the next day I was the God's love.
1: And if you listen to it the first time, especially because it took me more than one time to fully, it took me a few years. You can't you can't just hear it and just say yeah yeah, really, yeah break you down. know you gotta you gotta break it down and really just let it sink in. In fact, so. in fact,
0: somewhere years ago, several years ago, I made a New Covenant of Grace CD mm-hmm. that broke it down, and it was really it went into a lot of details and stuff. And either you just glazed over, or 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 you had to go back in several because right. it took me a long time to put all of that together. I guess I'm seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, as much as we protest placing labels on folks, for clarity of this topic, it may be beneficial to, now, uh, to tag an identifier on the two ends of this spectrum. Let's call the first person we spoke of, uh, the person who sees God through the Old Testament lens of vengeance and fear, let's call them the hyperlegalist believer. And uh, we'll call the person on the far other end of this spiritual spectrum the one who perceives God through the lens of love, mercy, and grace as a hyper grace believer. That's the only way I know how to do this.
1: Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to conduct an interview. I'm going to be the interviewer, and that's Trayson, always her favorite. job. It yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. Trayson, you said you're going to do the
2: now. Th- I'm gonna this is be and this hyper-
0: is not and this is not where we stand. We're just no. presenting no. the we two sides to of this. No. We're, we're playing parts here. Okay.
2: okay. I'm going to be the hyper legalist.
0: Okay. okay, so I guess that leaves me. To, I guess that leaves me to be the hyper grace person. Okay, and I'm going to ask
1: questions and let you each give an answer to the question based on the lens that you are viewing God through right now. If you're one of if these, you're one of these yes. people. Yeah. Okay. extremes.
0: One of these two extremes.
1: Okay. First question: How would you describe your personal relationship with God? Hyper legalist. Would you like to answer first?
2: Well, I believe I have a right relationship with God because I believe on Jesus for salvation hyper grace do you have a response
0: i believe that i have a right relationship with god because i too believe on jesus for salvation
1: okay great now let me ask this question is that right relationship you have with god contingent on anything in other words is that relationship subject to change hyper grace would you like to answer first this time
0: okay uh, is it likely to change no I don't believe I did anything to broker or negotiate the terms of my relationship with God. It is strictly based on trusting Jesus. Therefore, I don't believe my right relationship is subject to ever change.
2: Now, see, I disagree there. I think I'm saved by trusting Jesus, but I believe I'm expected to maintain that relationship by living a godly life after believing if I return to a life of sin, that relationship's broken.
1: May I ask each of you to explain
2: to me what you base your belief on? Hyperlegalist, it's your turn to go first. That's easy, the Bible. I can show you example upon example where God blessed his people on one hand when they followed his commands and then would curse and bring calamity and even death on the same people who sinned against him. Okay, so hyper grace, same question. Can you explain to me what you base your belief on?
0: Yes, I can, the Bible. The mistake? Of hyperlegalist is that uh, she's mixing up and mingling the two covenants. That is the old, uh, the old one uh, God had with the nation of Israel based on works and the performance of the people to meet the conditions of that uh, covenant, and the new unconditional covenant God has with us now. I can also show you multiple examples from the New Testament that shows that our relationship is based on uh, not on works but on faith.
2: Hyperlegalist, do you have a rebuttal? Oh I most certainly do. First of all God is the same. God of both the Old and New Testament is the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I would like to point out that the New Testament book of James says works do matter. Also Jude clearly said that if the angels who quote left their first estate were not spared by God's judgment what makes us think we will be spared if we abandon ours, end quote. And Jesus, on numerous occasions, said that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments.
1: I can sense some real spiritual tension here, but I need to ask this question, and I request each of you to keep your response dignified. In your opinion, what is the spiritual fate of your counterpart? Since Hyperlegalist responded last, I will allow Hyper Grace to go first this time.
0: Okay. I think that since Hyperlegalist has professed a belief in Jesus, that alone makes her right with God. I think it's sad that she's making it all much harder than it needs to be.
2: Well, I can't say what Hyper Grace's spiritual status is, but I'm concerned about the message he's sending out to others. This new God is all love and grace movement is in my opinion very dangerous and it's what's wrong with the church and our nation today all right and that is all the time we have
1: for our interview today i thank each of you for your participation and hopefully guys with that little bit of role-playing that we did it will be beneficial in sharing our topic today Um, allow us to pause regroup and we'll be right back with part three of today's episode of god beyond the bible
2: Okay, and hopefully we haven't lost sight of our topic today, which is that we live life according to the life lens that we have developed and adopted, and our perception of God and the Bible is certainly no exception as our little role-playing sketch in part two has shown.
0: And we might say that we have personally been on both ends of this spectrum. Yes. Or maybe not to the hyper-extreme, but I've been the legalist. I've been the one that if I do good, God's going to bless me. And no you know, matter what happens, I'll be always be blessed and always be protected. And, and let's just go. The extreme part of that is I won't get sick. Nothing bad will ever happen to me. And if something bad does happen to me,
2: I'm looking to find out what I did wrong because yeah, I must have I, done yeah, something. God, God's
0: mad about something. So uh, anyway, uh, again, please go back and listen to our podcast number seventeen on the new covenant of grace. It's uh, uh, it has been the clearing up, clearing up of this covenant confusion that is the catalyst that has led us from a place of fear and anxiety to one of spiritual peace.
1: Other names for this life lens might be our philosophy, our perspective, or even our attitude. Whatever label that we choose to put on it, it is still the way we view life in our world, and it dictates how we respond and react to life circumstances and the quality of life itself.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, the the legalistic view, and and I find it amazing. We we list if we listen, if we're a legalistic person, we're listening to legalistic talk. We agree with it, and we don't think we're any part because it doesn't apply to us. Now, that's what's right. always amazing to me. It's such a fearful way to walk, to walk in the legalistic. is such a fearful way to walk, but yet it's almost like the people who walk there. well, it doesn't apply to me because I'm doing right.
1: Exactly. But, you know, and I've been that person, but I've also on the inside been just terrified because.
0: Might not be that person that's doing it I right. I know, yeah, <laughs> you know, because and,
2: what if I'm wrong? Exactly. And whose
0: turn is it, number four?
2: I think I'm number four okay just as we're able to adjust and correct our physical vision with the application of glasses contact lenses or corrective surgery our life lens can be adjusted as well we must remember that none of us share the exact same life lens we all come from very different childhoods from very different cultural social religious and economic backgrounds and life experiences And these and many other variables are contributing factors to the lens through which we view and live our lives.
0: Now, when we think of our physical vision, uh, what we see and how we interpret what we see is based on perspective. We all know that we may witness the same event. Now, let's just use our physical vision for an example. When We, that we, uh, we may all three sitting at this table witness the same event, and each of us give us a, a slightly different or possible a very different account of what we saw based on what? Our perspective. Mm-hmm. What is true of the physical is also true of the spiritual. The gospel accounts are a perfect example of this. As we read each of the four accounts of Jesus' activities and teachings, we can hardly uh, uh, we can readily identify many of the events as being one and the same. However, there are some accounts of what seem to be the same event where the writer's details of the account seem so different that we question whether or not it was the same event or perhaps we're compelled to conclude that Jesus did or said a similar thing at another place in time yes. entirely. And that, that's just, that, that adds to our lens, our lens. See, these guys, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and there were others that wrote that we don't have, you know, that aren't, weren't included in our modern bible western bible but they all were just they were real people i think that's what we're talking about here they they were influenced by real life things Mm -hmm. the the way were the including the way they were brought up. yeah
1: also one gospel historian may include events that none of the writers talk about this is because as we have said many times like you just got through saying they were real people living in a real period of time each of them having their own cultural, religious, social, and economic background, and that all worked together to determine with their lens, to make the lens that they had developed and viewed these events through.
0: And, and let me, let me say, where have we, how's it come in a tracing in your seven? So we don't, don't oh, lose our place. All right. nine. Uh, uh, where did we get to the place that as the church, we were just intolerant to anybody that we just became groups of people, just all these fragmented groups of people that are just intolerant to anyone that doesn't agree with us? Because that's really what we're talking about here, is it? Even though we're all, even if there's 50 people and they all seem to agree, if you talk to them individually, they don't all embrace this single one-size-fits-all doctrine, even in their own group.
2: We're afraid to stand up and go, no, I'm not sure if I... You know, if I'm right there with you on that
0: one. Well, and maybe it's the way we've structured things. You know, we've structured the church service, and this is just all just off the top of my head, but we've structured the church service, per se, where people go and sit, and we've got one guy, and he's the professor. Mm -hmm. He's the teacher. He's the one doing, and nobody else really gets to give a rebuttal except in their mind, right? Mm -hmm. But
1: I think human nature is... To have it all figured out. You want a definitive answer. And that's just not something you can do when it comes to spiritual things. No. I don't. But people want to say, I, I have the right way and it's figured out. And it's, this is well, from point A to point B,
2: you know. And if you
0: and if you want to believe that like you believe, go ahead if you like being wrong.
2: Exactly. Well, <laughs> and I will say on that part too, I, someone wrote a thing here a while back. And honestly, I don't remember if it was on social media or one of my articles that I read. Um, But the essential thing was that we have taught our children for so many generations to never discuss religion or politics, that now all we've created is a generation that can't discuss religion or politics without hmm. being mean.
0: Well, yeah, without, and, and I, I'm not saying we shouldn't be passionate, but we're going to do a, an episode. It may be not the next one, because I think I've already got the next mm-hmm. episode written, but uh. Uh, the thing that's been occurring to me in the last few months is how much Jesus just walked away. Yeah. He wasn't confrontational ever, except with the religious group that tried to pin him. You know, they would try to right. get him and pin it. But as far as he was, you know, even with legal matters, when they were pursuing him, when he would find out that they were going to arrest him, when he would go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where do we where did we lose the walking away? What did he tell the disciples? And I'm not I'm just a whole different episode. But what did he tell the disciples uh, when he said, if you go into a town and they don't want to receive you?
2: Dust off your shoes. Walk away, man. Shake the walk. dust of the town
1: out of your robe. But if you notice... People put a negative connotation on that. I mean, have you heard the people? Yeah. Well, you just shake the dust off your shoes and you just... You're
0: sending them to hell. Send them to judgment. Yeah, just walk away. Yeah, just walk away and leave them to their their own Mm -hmm. demise. Yeah. All
2: right, guys. So what's the lesson? I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do we remember what we were talking about? Life lens. How we view God.
2: (laughs) Each of us has a different life experience and journey that helps fashion our perspective or our lens If we remain satisfied that we are seeing life from the only true and correct lens, then odds are we will remain exactly where we are. Same glasses, same vision. If we're not afraid to question why it is that we believe what we believe, and honestly and objectively listen to what others have discovered about important issues like God and the Bible, we might discover that our life lens may be due for a little tweaking and adjustment. We may even discover that we've been wearing a subpar prescription all along.
0: The first step to adjusting our life lens is to ask ourselves the questions we have always had about God in the Bible. Uh, in my teaching and the way I teach and the things that, I've been, that we've been presenting here on the podcast, over and over again, I have people that say to me, you know, I've always knew. I've always somewhere deep in my spirit knew that must be the way it really is, but we got it wrong somewhere. Yeah. You know, that God really is love, that he loves us, that he is on our side, that he's not against us, you know, that he is for us.
2: And sometimes it really helps to have someone else articulate that where you go, yeah, that thing is the thing I've always felt but I couldn't. Yeah.
0: So we need to ask ourselves uh, the questions we've always had about God in the Bible and consider that our view may have been skewed by the stock answers that our religious community has programmed. Uh, it's participants to substitute For honest open dialogue about our spiritual Concerns that's back to the, our church services Again there's no open di- You get a Sunday if you're like most of them that I've been To you get a Sunday school book or you're in a Bible Study somebody wrote that it goes one Way it may ask some questions but the Questions are always leading you <laughs> To the answer right yeah. Yeah. am I right Am I being the hard yeah. flowing. will To keep in the direction that the author yes. Wants it to go mm-hmm. just ask you know there anybody stand up and say well I don't know I don't understand how come God just killed all all those people and you know I just don't think that that fits with you know anyway
1: okay remember everyone is seeking some may speak and act as though they have all the right answers but we may ask what lens are they viewing life through Jesus said seek and you will find ask and you will receive knock and the door will be opened for it is the father's good pleasure to give his spirit to those who seek and ask And isn't it his spirit within that should be the final authority on life's great questions? We may conclude that there are those who will be satisfied to never seek, ask, or knock. Jesus experienced their opposition constantly. They were the religious leaders of his day that were sure that they had the only and correct lens by which people should view God and godly things. They didn't come to Jesus to seek. They came to Him to argue why they were right. Does that sound familiar? And it does.
0: And Tracen, are you going to conclude this here?
2: I will. The master was right when he said you can't put new wine in old wine skins because the containers were not flexible enough to withstand the fermentation process of the new wine. The whole matter comes down to each individual who must take responsibility for their own spiritual walk in relationship with our creator. He who is content to remain on an island with no desire to escape will live and die accordingly.
0: And as always, until next time, may God's grace, peace, and love be in you, on you, and radiate out from each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible.
2: Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at GodBeyondTheBible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at GodBeyondTheBible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.